Hello and welcome to The Crude Report, a podcast series on global crude oil markets by Argus Media. I'm Alex Endress, Associate Editor on the Argus America's Crude team, and I'm pleased to welcome back Amanda Smith, Deputy Editor, America's Crude, based here in Houston. Amanda, glad to be chatting with you. Hi, Alex. Happy to be here and to catch up on the crude markets today. Of course, and uh, I think we do have a fun discussion in store today. We're going to be talking about St. James, Louisiana. As we know, St. James has a long history uh, and an important role in the U.S. Gulf Coast crude market. In the past, it has served as a gateway to mid-continent refineries for both imported crude and domestic crude. Uh, On top of that, we know a key northbound conduit has reversed to flow south. And St. James area, it still has extensive blending operations and access to all of those regional refineries there in Louisiana. It's also now going to be one of the last stops on the way to international buyers as the U.S. has changed from an import-driven market to an export-driven market. Right. And St. James's role as the delivery location for light Louisiana sweet or LLS crude has also changed as U.S. crude markets as a whole have evolved. In the past, LLS was the key secondary crude benchmark on the U.S. Gulf Coast, and the Argus LLS price was an element in many crude contracts. But uh, before the U.S. lifted crude export restrictions at the end of 2015, the LLS price differential to international crudes was considered to be the main market signal as to whether the arbitrage to import crude to the U.S. Gulf Coast was open. Large cargoes of crude can be brought into the Louisiana Offshore Oil Port, or Loop, and then that crude can be sent up to St. James by pipeline for blending into the uh, LLS crude blend. And before the U.S. began exporting crude, LLS was the most liquidly traded light suite crude grade at the U.S. Gulf Coast in the spot market. And as we know, it is it is also a blended barrel, as you mentioned, but maybe that makeup has changed over the years. What are you seeing these days, Amanda? Right. So LLS has been a blended grade for many years, so not just offshore crude production. But in the past, it included more international crude into the blend, so like light crude from West Africa, along with that U.S. Gulf crude production, but from different qualities. And then as the U.S. shale revolution developed, it included light crude from Texas, much of that barged. The LLS quality specifications for blending were developed and then adopted and enforced by the uh, Capline pipeline. So the Crude Oil Quality Association, the industry came together, developed these specifications so that companies would have its blend specifications to target and to meet and so that buyers would have crude that was a reliable quality. So the Capline pipeline, the way of enforcement for this specifications, because they at that time were providing 1.2 million barrels per day in crude supply capacity up into the mid-continent, it was directed up to Patoka, which is outside of Chicago and Illinois, when it was running in the northbound direction. Okay, and just to pair some numbers with that, I was looking at our U.S. Gulf Coast and Mid-Continent spot trade volumes in the data and download section of Argus Direct. And sure enough, back in its heyday, LS spot volumes at St. James reported to Argus topped out at nearly 370,000 barrels a day back in April 2015. Right as that was happening, however, and in the few years prior, we know U.S. producers were unlocking these shale crude resources from basins like the Permian in Texas and the Bakken in North Dakota, 
as well as several others. And of course, Canadian producers were shipping more supplies down to the U.S. So later that same year, the U.S. lifted its ban on most crude exports that have been in place since 1977. Right. And then as time moved on, the markets evolved to accommodate the surging U.S. onshore production and to the lack of restrictions on exports. So we saw a build out of infrastructure, we saw pipeline reversals to get this growing shale production uh, to the Gulf Coast. And uh, nowhere was that more prolific than in Texas, uh, where the Permian production grew the fastest and midstream companies raced to build pipelines to get crude to places like Houston and Corpus Christi. Even in the spot market, you know, as you talk about this, we saw Argus WTI Midland reported spot volumes totaling nearly 500,000 barrels a day back in 2015. Isn't that right? Yeah. And and so now those WTI Midland spot volumes regularly surpass 1 million barrels per day. During the March trade month this year, we had reported to us 1.6 million barrels per day over that trade month. So as Argus tracked more volumes in the export market at the Texas Gulf Coast, and we saw more crude going to the coast from West Texas, we launched that WTI Houston assessment at Magellan's East Houston terminal. And the WTI Houston spot volume eventually surpassed LLS. In the March trade month, WTI Houston's spot trade volume reached a recent record high as well at roughly 610,000 barrels per day reported to us over the trade month. Now, because of WTI Houston's location closer to the Permian Production Center for crude, it's really become a key light-sweet crude pricing point on the U.S. Gulf Coast, and it's replaced LLS in its prior role of being a marker put into many contracts and used as a, um, a pricing point for light crude at the coast. Yeah, and in recent years, St. James has pivoted from its roots as a waypoint for imports on their way north. Uh, infrastructure serving uh, mainly regional refineries and is now transitioning to serve the export market. So we talked about it earlier, but the cap line volumes going north dwindled to basically nothing. And there was a push to reverse the cap line. And now that's happened. So its current southbound capacity is roughly 100,000 barrels a day. It's thought to be carrying predominantly heavy Canadian crude, I believe. Is that right? Right. And these heavy Canadian crude volumes have not been showing up in the spot activity we see, though. So we believe that it's mostly heavy Canadian crude coming down the reverse cap line, but we think that most of it was purchased in Canada and then sent down. So I don't think there's an active buy-sell spot market developing in St. James for it at this time. We think that some of this heavy crude is replacing volumes that in the past had been barged down and maybe some of it had been railed down before too. So as transportation contracts expire, companies can look to seeing if they can get on the pipeline, which would be a cheaper alternative to barging or to rail. We are also seeing some crude from Texas in the St. James spot market, but not a whole lot. Uh, In the past, more crude was barged over from Texas, and then this expanded pipeline capacity build-out has been able to accommodate more crude from Texas as well coming to St. James. Right, and so I think what you're hitting on there is the Zydeco pipeline, or the reversed Poho line that once went from Louisiana to Texas, now coming from Texas into Louisiana, bringing that shale crude, and then the expansion there, the the build-out of the Bayou Bridge, uh, I believe. Yes, so that we have the reversed Toho or Zydeco, as you referred to, 
the shell pipeline. And then we also have seen more capacity build out with the Bayou Bridge. So the energy transfer pipeline, there was an extension that now makes it so you can carry crude all the way from Nederland, which is east of Houston, all the way to St. James. So that started up in 2019 before you could just go to uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And so that Nederland area where Bayou Bridge is coming from, there's a lot of light crude coming there from West Texas on the Energy Transfer Permian Express system. So now we're hearing that multiple grades are getting shipped from Texas via these pipelines to St. James and more than in the past. So we're hearing Eagle Ford, WTI, WTL, and then even Bakken from North Dakota, which can come down to Nederland originally in the DAPL pipeline up in North Dakota. But for these various grades, it doesn't seem like there's a um, strong spot market that's developed for any of them yet. So we think like the Canadian, that a lot of it's likely purchased upstream and then shipped over. And so then it's being run in refineries, exported, or potentially blended into LLS. Okay. And LLS is still used, of course, in the Louisiana refineries. Um, Blenders can really use any number of blend stocks. Of course, Eagle Ford or Heavy Louisiana Sweet, otherwise known as HLS, even Light Sour Benito, as well as some other grades. And we think that LS blending is likely to continue even with different light crudes making their way to the Louisiana market because St. James blending facilities have become experts in profitably needing specs by combining various crudes at different pricing levels. And both domestic refineries as well as even international buyers have, we think, become more accustomed to running it. As we talk about WTI in St. James, it seems like some of that has trended in line. Some of that spot liquidity has trended in line with export activities in Louisiana that have picked up more. We don't know that too much of it is getting blended into LLS. Uh, It would just depend on how blenders could make the best profit from the available blend stocks. There may be Less need to blend a grade that is already fairly close to OLS on its own. If a company could blend grades that are priced lower at the time, like Eagleford and maybe a sour grade. Right. And I think it's important to note, too, that although crude from St. James, like LLS, is exported, it can't be sent to loop by pipeline for export from the facility's deep water oil connection that can load those big BLCCs directly. So crude exported from St. James is loaded onto smaller vessels that would be going to Europe or South America. But we had thought that the cap line reversal would actually bring more light crude, and then that would have had the potential to possibly be exported on some of these smaller vessels. But planned connection from Cushing, which was an extension of the Diamond Pipeline to cap line, was canceled. What we're hearing now, though, in the spot market for WTI and St. James has been pretty spotty. Interesting, yeah. And uh, when we do see WTI St. James, it looks like its price can vary in relation to LLS. But Argus is really looking at multiple emerging markets like that that have developed as the U.S. domestic crude market has changed. And when liquidity and transparency are such that we could assess some of these different markets, and of course, pending demand for such assessments, we can uh, look more closely at pricing those. And, you know, in the end, they'll allow us to better follow crude arbitrage in the U.S. pipeline market. So, for example, the WTI Midland arbitrage from Midland to Houston and eventually to Louisiana or St. James could theoretically be tracked if we had some of these assessments in place, just depending the liquidity and transparency. Right. 
us trying to uh, look at these different markets and see if we can develop assessments. Because like you said, it could be very helpful to track these arbitrages in the U.S. pipeline market. So for example, like the Nederland Beaumont area in Texas that we've mentioned before has become increasingly important. We do see some WTI trading there, not enough reported to us yet to uh, assess, but that would be another place to be able to see the price and to be able to analyze that arbitrage. We do already have a uh, assessment for Bakken crude in Beaumont, Nederland, um, and that's coming down the energy transfer crude oil pipeline that carries oil from DAPL, from Dakota Access Pipeline in North Dakota. So it's carrying that Bakken crude. So we're also looking at being able to extend these locations as we can. Um, we've been hearing more spot activity in the Johnson's Corner area where DAPL originates. So that's something that we're looking at as well. We're always trying to see if we can meet the needs of our customers, but of course we have to also be able to have the liquidity there and the transparency for us to be able to reflect these prices. Well, yeah, potentially some uh, exciting developments on the horizon here that we'll continue to track will be intriguing to see where things head in terms of light sweet supplies in Louisiana. But I think that's really about it for today's conversation. Really enjoyed the chat, Amanda. So thank you for making time. Glad to do it. And I appreciated the discussion. Of course. And listeners, if you're in need of more in-depth daily coverage of America's crude oil markets, consider subscribing to Argus America's Crude. That's where you'll find the LLS, WTI Houston, and WTI Midland assessments. You can find more information about Argus Crude services at www.argusmedia.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of The Crude Report. 